Delaware Security Show. Don't let fishing get you down. Slow down and frown and turn it around. Security is in your DNA. Don't throw it away. The well aware security show. In brightest day, in blackest night, you're still listening to the well aware security show, right? Um, I'm your host, George Finney, and I may or may not uh, be a secret fan of Ryan Reynolds's greatest film, Green Lantern. Um, uh, I can't speak for my guest this week. Uh, his name is uh, uh, DJ Sampath. Um, DJ is the co-founder and CEO of ArmorBlocks. Um, prior to ArmorBlocks, DJ helped found StackRocks, uh, now Red Hat, a, a Sequoia-backed uh, container security startup, uh, where he was the chief architect and VP of engineering. Um, DJ's experience uh, insecurity uh, goes back to uh, one of the largest telecom companies like uh, Deutsche Telekom, uh, building a state-of-the-art security solution uh, at vendors like uh, uh, Juniper. Uh, uh, so, oh, oh my gosh, your, your background is amazing. Um, so thanks for, for, for being on the show, DJ. Oh, George, thanks so much for having me. And uh, you're too kind. You're incredibly kind. Um, so for my guests this, this week, uh, we're going to be doing a deeper dive on artificial intelligence, uh, the second biggest buzzword in cybersecurity behind zero trust. Um, so uh, we're going to separate the hype from fiction. And since GJ's uh, new company, uh, ArmorBlocks, uses AI to help stop phishing, uh, I thought that he'd be the perfect person to, to talk to about this. Um, so are you, are you ready to, to, to dig in, DJ? Absolutely. No, uh, uh, thank you so much for setting that context. Uh, you're spot on about um, you know AI being a buzzword, right? I think a, a lot of times what happens is when you see technology to sort of take a step function, um, there's a little bit of hype that comes along with that. You know, one of the biggest hypes right now is, is Web 3.0, right? It's like everybody's talking about blockchain. That's another one of those big buzzwords, right? Yeah. The, but at the same time, there's there's always a core of reality, um, you know, which, you know, if you look at, you know, the, the hype cycle graph, there's a, there's a trough of disillusionment that happens before productivity sort of kicks in and the, and the plot of productivity happens. So, you know, with, with respect to AI, there's there's sort of like, you know, if you were to go back about, uh, you know, 10 years ago, one of the interesting things that was happening was in computer vision, right? Um, you know, if you remember solving for those CAPTCHAs, yeah. uh, you know, Google CAPTCHAs and like, you know, they were just making, they were just getting humans to label tons and tons of data, right? Um, essentially what happened was it hit an inflection point where the ImageNet stuff turned into something very meaningful. Today you have cars that could self-drive. Right? When you do the, you know, when you're sitting inside of a Tesla and you're driving it, you sort of realize, hang on a second, this is just a glorified cruise control. Why didn't we have this before? Um, but it's because, you know, technology hadn't advanced enough to be able to sort of do this bounding boxes and say, hey, that's an object, that's a person, that's another car. And so AI in some ways, you know, is basically just, you know, that decision-making process of like, hey, I need to break the car when I see a human being walk right across, right? And so it's become a reality. Now, the same thing is sort of happening for textual-based information. And, and that's where, you know, things, you know, got interesting for us, you know, at, at the company at Armablocks, 
was, hang on a second, we can reimagine a whole lot of different verticals. And it happened not just in cybersecurity. You, you sort of saw companies come up with chatbots, um, you know, where you could start typing up like a drift bots. And, and, and then you had like ticketing systems, which started to get automated, where you, could, you, can, you can start to just start initially typing something and you'll see something come to you. Um, we've, we sort of saw that and said, hey, wait a minute. We take a look at the advances in, in AI with cybersecurity and said, why don't we apply this to some of the security problems that, you know, coming from that background and, and we started going in that direction. And so that's the, that's the context there. There's, there's a lot of hype, but there's reality to, to it. Totally. Totally. So, um, you know, from, from the, the data scientists that, that I've talked to, um, it seems like there are some problems in security that AI can, can help with. Um, and, and there's some that it might not be the best fit for. Um, so uh, can you talk about uh, which is which and why uh, that might be the case? Right. Uh, any, anytime somebody comes in and says, hey, the, um, the AI ML part of the, uh, the thing will solve all of your problems for you, that's when you got to be you know, massively skeptical. You go, hey, hang on a second. That doesn't sound right. Um, it, it's about you know, being able to sort of specialize and solve specific types of problems that they're incredibly good at. Now, you got to look at the input space. Is the, is the data massive? I think that's your first check. If you're looking at like large you know, corpuses of data, that's that's a good thing for machines to be able to understand and build baselines off of at the very first you know uh, point that you look for. The second thing you look for is the way you you know the, the specific task that you're looking to perform does it generalize well across you know specific types of use cases that you have. If 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 it generalizes well, then you have you know a, a quick example of this is I would like to look for a specific keyword that says urgent. Um, you know, it generalizes well across the board. Um, I like to look for alerts that have, you know, high priorities and, and sort them. You know, again, it generalizes well at the very, you know, a high level rule. So if you think about it as rules, set of rules that, that you look for, if you can build rules, that means you can do something a little more interesting with that. Um, data scientists call it feature engineering. They're like, hey, uh, you got to be able to extract right types of features. Uh, again, you know, trying not to be buzzwordy, but then, you know, it, it's essentially things that you can build rules off of um, that make sense. The, the third and the, and the most important thing that you look for is um, what amount of, you know, human intervention is required to be able to make a determination. Now, if the, you know, a lot of times we call this, hey, this, is, this seems knuckleheaded. This seems really straightforward, right? Those are ex excellent signs, you know, um, because when you see that we're still doing a bunch of things, um, which feels rather simple, um, those are problems where you can apply AI to it. So when you have a lot of data, you have rules that you can sort of, you know, the rules don't have to be very finite. They could be a complex set of rules, but there are rules that you could apply. And then, and finally, you have the, uh, um, the, the, the tasks themselves are simple, simple tasks, but, uh, but are monotonous. Those are ripe for disruption from, a, you know, from cybersecurity and AI perspective. Nice. So, you know, you're, you're make, making me think of, so I, I, my favorite book on artificial intelligence is actually uh, Gary Kasparov's book, um, which, you know, if you haven't read it, he, he kind of details his perspective uh, on his uh, defeat uh, by uh, uh, IBM's Deep Blue, 
right? And, you know, just full disclosure, spoiler alert, um, uh, he thinks that IBM cheated. Um, and, you know, I think he's right. Uh, you know, I, he, I, he, he has some convincing uh, evidence. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's fascinating his perspective on artificial intelligence. And he's not uh, you know, necessarily bitter about uh, losing to a computer. I mean, it was just a matter of time. Um, but his perspective is interesting uh, in that, um, he, you know, he doesn't think artificial intelligence alone is enough to solve our challenges, right? Um, and, and, you know, he kind of envisions this idea of, uh, the human assisted AI or human uh, AI, you know, to, to boost human intelligence. Is, is that something that, that, that you guys are kind of incorporating into uh, your, the AI in your product? The, you know, you know, it, it is, you know, the, the way to sort of think about this is, you know, the, there's obviously human elements involved in constructing, you know, the algorithms behind you know, um, what goes inside of those rules or those constructs at the end of the day, right? To be able to validate if those behaviors are working, there are sample data sets that you have to work with to sort of see whether those behaviors match or, or do they not match. The, the challenges become more complex when it's data that has privacy connotations to it. You know, we deal with emails. Emails are the crown jewels of uh, enterprises. Um, you know, to be able to, you know, and, and there are, you know, um, there are people that, that have chosen like faster path to growth where they say, hey, we're going to peer into emails to be able to make sure that our AI works right. And all they're doing is they're just having a, a huge army of people you know, offshore just looking at emails. I think, uh, you know, we've had that happen with, I forget, uh, I think it was one of the expense management companies, which, um, which actually had, you know, they had this AI that will look at your you know, a, a receipt and it'll automatically turn it into expense reports. And turns out there was just humans just, you know, looking at all of wow. their expenditures wow. and, um, <laughs> and it was publicly disclosed in a, a you know, a, in one of those um, articles, I think it was Ars Technica that, that leaked it out, but it was, um, it, it's happened before, you know, so the being able to fully disclose that, you know, yes, we have humans in the loop is, is a good thing, but it comes with pros and cons, right? It comes with, um, you got to decide which parts of your problem space, is it okay to have humans in the loop? Um, you could choose to have analysts that assist the AI inside of your company that say, hey, I'm going to train the system based off of what I'm seeing over here. And um, almost always, that is going to be the setup. There is going to be um, you know, a human assisted or human in the loop in that fashion where you say, yes, there's, it, you know, there's data that they get to see but you have to sort of put it inside of certain privacy constraints and making sure that you have the right type of controls to be able to manage that. But the most amount of benefit comes when there is that type of loop. We don't have full sentient you know, uh, algorithms just yet, thankfully. And, uh, and so um, you know, ex- you know, putting humans in the loop is, you know, is, the, is the solution, at least for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Can you talk for a second about data set security? I, I, I know we've got a lot of uh, AI researchers here at SMU, um, and that's one of their biggest concerns. And, and you know, obviously, don't give away any you know operational secrets. Uh, but but you know, it, I mean, I think that's a challenge. Not not just you know from from the the data sets being attacked themselves, but uh, from being able to root out biases in, in the data sets. Right. That's why uh, you know a lot of folks are concerned about uh, facial recognition. Um, is that the data sets, you know, have, have primarily been, you know, white people uh, to, you know, to just put it bluntly. Um, sure. And, you know, it, it, we, it's not something that we can just, I think, solve uh, overnight with, with facial recognition, for example, uh, because even, you know, the, the way that CCDs are built in cameras themselves are designed to take 
you know, better quality pictures of white people. Uh, and again, I'm sorry, uh, uh, but uh, so to, to solve that problem, it's not even like a once removed kind of issue. Uh, you've got to go and fix the, the, the biases built into the, the, the chipsets for CCDs. Uh, so how are you guys kind of addressing the, the, those, those issues? No, it's 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 one of those uh, you know it's awesome that 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 you raised that point. I think it's uh, it's a huge green space and a greenfield opportunity for you know for any entrepreneurs that are thinking about this type of problem as well. You know, constructing and creating synthetic data set that truly reflects a, an unbiased sample and can be used to build you know algorithms that solve specific tasks is. Um, it's a it's a hard problem, right? If you if you think about it, um, you've got to already know what the algorithm is going to do to be able to construct a data set, you know, a synthetic data set that can go in and solve that. Which, uh, you know, I like to call this the, the Jurassic Park problem. Uh, you know, if you're a big fan of that movie, you know, you'll you'll have uh, one of the characters, Ian Malcolm, actually walks around. You know, he 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 talks about the case theory where he pours a drop of water and he shows which directions it could take, and then uh, they discover that every time they keep asking the system, are there you know, X amount of dinosaurs in the, in the park. And the answer is, yes, there are X number of dinosaurs, but they never asked, are there X plus, you know, two, X plus three number of dinosaurs. And it's only realized that, holy crap, they, they do have those many number of dinosaurs in the park. And uh, they keep on going all the way until they hit 400 dinosaurs before they realize, yeah, there's something up, you know, uh, that's going on here. So the, the challenge with the, the synthetic data set is you got to be smart enough to construct that synthetic data set to sort of be broad enough and diverse enough to be able to still solve the task that you have in mind but in the in the meanwhile, you shouldn't you know find yourself in that virtuous loop where um, you know you already know the answer to it, and you're you now have even more of a biased data set. So, so building a broad-based synthetic data set that does not have that is a is a hard hard problem to solve. Now, um, at Armablocks, one of the things that we take is we we make sure that we recognize what attacks look like. But uh, as part of this, specifically, what we do is we we baseline every single um, customer environment. Right, we go in and we understand you know, what type of um, communication patterns exist over there. And we look at that baseline information to see, is it very drastically different from something that we've seen before? Um, if it is, we actually have that conversation with the customer saying, hey, this is drastically different. We're going to need a broader training period because we, we need to like learn a little bit more about your environments, which means you're going to likely to see some more false positives. Now, you know, when we get into a brand new vertical, we see that happen initially. And then once we have had a few examples of customers and customer behaviors, then automatically it starts to become, you know, we're within baseline errors, which means we see a very few amount of false positives on the other side. So that's how we solve for it. We don't, we, we, we have our own mechanisms of creating synthetic data sets. We solve for biases by making sure that, you know, um, it, language is sort of like, you know, it, it's, it, it's agnostic to race, but at the same time, there are specific types of communication patterns and modalities that we factor in as part of that data set as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm interested, can, can you talk about what uh, NLU is or natural language understanding and, and how does that specifically help with, with cyber? Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a good, uh, you know, a great, um, you know, setup for me. So um, I could speak on this for like <laughs> next, uh, you know, 45 minutes. Uh, so I'll try to keep the shot. Uh, I think, you know, there's a, there's a massive evolution uh, that's happening, you know, with respect to textual data. We talked about how computer vision resulted in, you know, self-driving cars. We're sort of seeing that, um, that big inflection point happen with language right now, right? You know, um, NLP, natural language processing was a, um, you know, the ability to sort of like break down, you know, language text forms and whatnot and have, you know, speech recognition. That was the biggest use case. If you think about using dragon naturally speaking, or, you know, and now, you know, like, like text to speech stuff that you would use in the computers, but 
fast forward now, people have that as a, as a form of interface. You, you talk to Siri all the time. You talk to Alexa all the time. So that evolution happened on the speed side of the house. We're basically taking, you know, riding on those coattails to be able to come in and say, hey, there's um, a really interesting thing happening with understanding that semantic context behind that data. And so what natural language understanding does is it basically takes that parts of speech, tries to reflect on, hey, hang on, is this, does this mean, you know, what we're looking at, uh, you know, you could pose a question, say, hey, um, who stars in the movie Matrix? And you now get a response back that comes back and says, it's Keanu Reeves that stars in the movie Matrix. The way it applies to cyber is almost everything is a policy at the end of the day, right? You have a policy for detecting spear phishing. You have a policy for harassment. You have, you have controls um, that basically are, it's always asking a question, hey, is somebody doing something that they shouldn't be? Um, are they sending an email outside? Is their account, you know, login coming from different places? It's those questions that can now be answered um, a lot more meaningfully with NLU than it could have been without that context. And so when, when people talk about alert fatigues, people talk about false positives, what NLU weaves into that mix of, in, the, in the case of cyber is it adds a high degree of signal to the noise that exists there. Nice, nice. You know, I, I, if if anyone from Amazon is listening, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I love Alexa. I feel like she just gets me. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating. Again, the differences between, you know, everybody has this technology, but yep. you know, w- whether it's, you know, Siri or OK Google or, uh, or Alexa, right? The, you know, that oh, that, you know, right. those insights, right, are are, are fascinating. Um, so, you know, how I guess how can a Practitioner, right? If you know, if, if you're sitting down to use an ML product, uh, you know, or if you're you're considering to buying a new uh, AI ML play in in all of the different areas that uh, that are coming up, um, how how do, how do you understand AI ML if if you're uh, just a practitioner? No, I, I think that's a it, it's a hard problem. A lot of times you got to look beyond the smokes and mirrors, right? Um, to your point, like there. There are nuances between Alexa and, and Siri and, and and Google, right? Like, you know, there are personal preferences in terms of how well you know each one of them you know respond to what you have to ask for. Um, but they're also like just the 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 search space, you know, the, the problems that they solve. Like, you know, right now um, they're installing an Alexa inside of um, a space shuttle, right? Um, and um, and so what's going to happen over there is there are specific use cases that they've tuned that towards to be able to respond effectively to that. I think what matters is as the practitioners sort of like evaluate things, they got to understand what their use cases are. Does the solution specifically build models for their use case? If you were to take the Alexa that works in our home and plug it into a spaceship, I guarantee you it's not going to work. Um, you know, you're going to have to train that model to specifically understand commands that the astronauts might be saying, hey, you know, turn on something, your boosters or afterburners or whatever, whatever, you know, I obviously don't know. What they what they say in spaceships, but uh, um, but Warp you gotta. Speed. That's what that's what they say. <laughs> that's right, full speed. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's things like that, you know. So um, you're gonna have to have models that are customized for your use cases, and and that's that's the very first thing that you need to look for is saying, hey, are you gonna give me something that's generic? Which is in a very if, if you take it to the other extreme, is basically the signatures that you would get from. Uh, you know, from Yara rules and sticks and taxi rules, like you, you just get those signatures that you would just look yeah. for, right? That's, that's where that, you know, um, it, 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 it basically minimizes to. And, uh, but on the other side, other spectrum is basically you have like custom models that are, that are models that are being built at, at a user level. Um, 
we know that, you know, when you take that to the other extreme, you know, user behavior analytics is sort of, um, you know, it's again, a, a not a very loudly spoken word in the security <laughs> community because um, the, the challenge has been that trying to make that work very effectively has also been difficult because you're just looking at raw signals and, and, and guessing the intent. So mm. it, it lies somewhere in between where it's a combination of rules, combination of you know, inputs from humans and, and looking at the context of the signals using language. And, um, and so being very, um, um, you know, being open to sort of putting an ensemble together as a practitioner becomes absolutely important, but but the key element is: are they building models that are custom to my use case? You know, I, I think that's interesting. I was gonna. My next follow up question was gonna be like: what are the top like two or three questions you should ask when when evaluating an AI model? But it sounds like, uh, you know, as as we've talked more about this. You know, is, is really the best way to, to, to evaluate that is just to do a pilot and, and have a POC in your environment so that you know how it works? Uh, or are there or are there really, you know, you know, in two or three specific questions you can say to uh, to, to vet out and, and, and get the differences between two AI vendors that are both doing email or both doing antivirus or, or what have you? I think I think there's a there's a short term and a long term answer for this, uh, and uh, you'll have to bear with me as I go through both. I think the uh, the, the long term vision for this is to have like you know almost every single cybersecurity expert will have to have you know understand some amount of AI and ML, right? I think it's sort of like you know the the basics of computer science. Like you know at this point most of them understand like hey I know enough of Python scripting to be able to make sense of it. Now ten years ago that wasn't the case. You know, um, security practitioners were not, you know, they understood the systems, they understood the Unix systems incredibly well, but they were not so much as like, hey, they couldn't, they, they had maybe Perl uh, as, a, as, a, as a language that, uh, as a scripting language, but, but now you know that they, they know a lot more about distributed systems. They know about how Kubernetes works enough to be able to, you know, articulate why, you know, they need that type of, you know, architecture or, you know, they're much deeper, you know, into that stuff. Same way, they're going to have to learn about, you know, um, AI ML enough. To be dangerous to be able to say, hey, listen, I want to see what the area under the curve looks like. I want to see what the, you know, the false positive rates are looking like here. Um, I want to see what your cosine waves are for these things. So, you know, what is the separating plane? Are you, you know, is this falling on this side or that side? And being able to rationalize, oh, I see why, you know, something was marked as not anomalous or anomalous because I can see the data and that makes sense to me. Being able to get to that point um, is crucial because that way, you know. Uh, it, it keeps all of the vendors honest because they are now forced to surface that level of information inside of the dashboards as well. So you can you can you can have a gut check of like, hey, it is doing the right sets of things. But that's long term because it requires you know people going to Coursera or you know one of the online courses, learning a little bit about it. And I think you know everybody is getting there. They will in about five years. This will be you know this will be commoditized. But for now, I think the immediate answer is um, you know asking the question that you just asked. Hey, help me understand how you're doing it. Walk me through this, and and using that as an educational moment as well, you know, knowing that this product uses you know ML and AI, you know, asking the vendor to say, hey, can I have some of your product team members or your technical specialist to maybe come in and do like a thirty minute pitch on how this is actually working, you know, and how do you guys know it and show us their dashboards that you're looking at to know that the system is behaving the way it should, and that offers an amazing opportunity for you know vendors that have real stuff behind to like showcase, not just do smokes and mirrors. And on the other side, it also offers up an, uh, an opportunity for you know um, the practitioner to learn a little bit, you know, something more. 
and and yeah. have insights into how something works. You know, I, I love that answer just because, you know, I, I mean, some of the, the the vendors I've heard, you know, they, they want to talk about, well, this is, you know, fifth generation AI and everybody else is stuck in second generation or, or whatever. And yeah, yeah, to, to, to be able to, to, to have that, that, you know, that baked into the product. So you, so it's not the secret sauce, like I can actually see, you know, what, what's under the hood. I, I, I think, you know, that, that's, that, that, that would be amazing. Um, so DJ, oh my gosh, this has been such a great conversation. Um, you know, I know, uh, so, you know, usually I, I ask folks, uh, you know, to, to leave us with a nugget of wisdom, but uh, since, uh, you know, since it's 2022, it's the beginning of the year. Um, let's, let's talk about predictions. What, what predictions do you, do you have for, for, for 2022? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, with Log4j, you know, uh, starting the year out or, or closing the last year out, I think everybody's mind, uh, you know, is on having the right type of, um, you know, code scanning stuff going on. So I think, I think this year, um, obviously from a policy perspective, there's a, there's a huge amount of, um, focus on, um, you know, showing up, uh, you know, the, you know, the supply chain pieces of, you know, not just, um, not just, you know, the, the supply chain from a contracting perspective or a third-party risk, but, um, all the way down to the source code, I think you're going to see, um, a lot more scrutiny. Um, part of the reason why we're seeing, you know, the, the lock four J's of the world is because of that increased scrutiny. And, uh, and it's been something that's been in the melting pot for a while. So we're going to see the outcome here as the technologies evolve to being able to identify more of these. We're going to see a, a lot more of such fires in 2022. I'm sorry, I, I sound horrible. You know, it feels horrible saying this, um, but but that's definitely one. My, my top uh, expectation is that's going to happen more. The second big one is going to be, you know, obviously I'm going to speak to our own selves because what we're seeing on the email side of the house is um, corporate espionage and like, you know, people leveraging emails, which is basically, if you think about it, the second largest peer-to-peer -peer protocol that everybody has to use to be able to communicate. Right after DNS, SNTP is the, the largest one. And so we see that as a, as a massive surface of like things that expose, hey, what's truly going on, you know, underneath the surface. And the third one primarily being um, the world is moving to a complete API-based economy. So um, there's going to be more, you know, the way APIs have been slung together, um, it's going to unravel and, uh, and we're going to need to do a whole lot better um, as, you know, as practitioners, just, you know, understanding that APIs need guardrails. So those are my top three. Wow. Th th those are fantastic. Uh, again, I loved hearing your, your insights, on, on, especially around AI. This, this has been, uh, I, I think, a very special episode of the Well Aware Security Show. Um, so if you enjoyed this, uh, you know, click subscribe, hit the like button, uh, give it a rating. Uh, if you didn't like the show, um, you know, keep listening. You'll get used to it. Um, we've, we've got a great uh, a lineup of, of, of guests uh, uh, lined up for the rest of the year. Uh, very, very excited about, uh, about 2022. Uh, hopefully it will be, uh, uh, you know, a little better than, than 2021 and, uh, you know, uh, gosh, uh, stay safe out there and we will, uh, uh, see you next time on the well aware security show. Take it easy. Thanks for having me, George. Yeah.